Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Ohana Podcast. My name is Lima and I am your host. Thank you guys for uh, supporting the podcast, for supporting the Scattered Abroad Network. And we are down to the last two episodes of of uh, Ohana Podcast for this year. And God has been good to us this year. Uh Lots of uh, ups and downs this year that we can all learn from. And again, to remind us all as we come to a closing, that the theme of our podcast this year is the war on our Ohana. You know, one of the challenges in ministry and in being inside God's family and This is one of those challenges that makes you, it makes you sad, right? Because sometimes when it comes to war, uh, uh, we, we, we often have to deal with friendly fire in, in the real life, in, in, uh, uh, in in w- real war, I should say, uh, when friendly fire occurs, you're talking about you're talking about killing your own, right? Killing your own. This is one of the things that when I was in the army, uh, this is one of the things that we were trained uh, to to have in the back of our heads, you know, um, what we call muzzle memory. Um, you got to watch where you point your weapon, right? Uh, we might say, uh, uh, this person flagged this person. Often what that means is they point their weapon towards them. And so our standard operation procedure or SOP would be to, you know, have the firearm and the muzzle pointed towards the, the ground. And so friendly fire is, is very dangerous. Uh, it's true in the physical realm. It's absolutely true in the spiritual realm. I want us to start off with the Apostle Paul. Because in his life are highlighted the realities of what we are about to talk about. Friendly fire, right? Or to put it another way, in your walk as a Christian, you have to deal with false brethren. Right? In other words, those who claim to be Christians, but they are attacking Christians. They're attacking the faithful. They are you know they're causing division creating lies and and it's sad because they are christians but you know they have you know wandered from the truth or on their way to depart from the truth and they have bitterness in their hearts and for whatever reason uh the reality is brethren do hurt brethren there is a lot of friendly fire 
And what comes to mind is the list of things that the Apostle Paul suffered. And if you go to me in the Bible, if you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you get to see, or I mean 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you get to see some of the things that the Apostle Paul suffered. And I'd like to read that list of things here for us. I'll begin reading from, you know, for uh, uh, from verse 22, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measures in prisons, more frequently in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, the Jews, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. Now listen to this one. In perils among false brethren. Right? False brethren. In weariness and toil, in sleepless often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. You notice what Paul said here. This is what I'm going to highlight. Paul says that he also suffered. Right? This word peril means danger. Right? Danger. Uh, the Greek word is the word kindunos uh, or kindunos. And, and it means danger. And he said at some point in his walk, he ran into danger with false brethren. Pseudadelphos, right? False brothers or false sisters, if you will. And so that's what I want us to be aware of, that within the church, even today, it was there in the first century, even the church of the 21st century, nothing's changed. The problems are still the same. Sometimes in your warfare as a Christian, you will war with false brethren. Or they will, you know, fire at you. You're trying to do the right thing, but because of their bitterness, their jealousy and envy, they would you know, try to hurt you and harm you. James chapter 4 talks about this possibilities. It talks about uh, this type of stuff happening. Friendly fire. Christians fighting one another. If you go to James chapter 4, James says, right after verse, verse 18 of chapter 3, right now, verse 18 of chapter 3, he says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, by those who make peace. And then he says, 
Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do, you, and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. All right, so where do wars and fights come from among you? He's not talking about the fights that are out there or the wars that are out there in the world at the time. He was talking about within the church, within the fellowship, there's a lot of friendly fire. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants us divided. He wants to win. He wants us to hurt one another. Right? And we are called to be peacemakers, to be children of peace. If if you try to seek peace with another brother or sister in Christ and they don't want it, what does that say about them? Or maybe they seek to be in peace with you and you don't want it. What does that say about you? Where do wars come uh, and fights come from among you? And James, you know, reveals this truth. They actually come from our own selfish desires. They come from self-seekingness. They, they come when we are not considerate of one another. And so... Paul, when Paul says, you know, in perils often, in perils of, of, of false brethren, man, it it's sad to to think about it because it is so real. I I I recently have to have to witness, you know, uh in the past four years, I re I recently have to witness two preachers leave the same congregation and the bottom line is there are individuals that are involved that that sort of bring brought this trouble about you know that that have been at the root of the discussion and so i want to i want to throw you a scenario and i want you to think about it you know, think about it and 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 meditate on on and, and think about how you might feel about this scenario because it's a real scenario. It's a true story. So, let's say that your congregation decided. Uh, well, let's approach it from this side. Let's say a congregation decided to hire a preacher. They recently lost their minister. Due to you know the the issue of not reconciling with one another, and due to lies and and um, gossip and uh, the failure to be Christians when it comes to letting our yes be yes and our no be no, and so this congregation uh, is now in the market to look for a preacher and. They they found out that you are interested. Let's say you're the preacher. And you are interested. And so they'll negotiate with you to 
to to give you a certain amount and what are the expectations are they'll tell you that okay you can you can come and and preach for us and here's the time frame uh we'll say two years and we'll give you this amount of money and you decided that you were going to accept that offer and you decided that, that you know this is a good work and and you want to work you were excited to go there and then you arrived right you arrived to this congregation having packed up your things and and go through the process of traveling and all that stuff you have to do just to get there right so you're excited you're hopeful it's a new beginning and then you get there and as you you know get your feet wet you you always get greeted right you, when you first arrive you're greeted with some smiles and nice faces and excitement uh but then maybe 3 or 4 months in uh you realize later on that you're not getting the amount of support that was promised and then, or maybe you realize that that or and you also realize that not only that you're not getting the support that you were promised, you were recently told that this will be only for a year and not two years. And to make things worse, you know, they don't even use you for quite some time to teach, you know, Bible class. I mean, they wanted a higher preacher. And so all this stuff starts. Coming to light, you notice that they didn't keep your, their word. You notice there's a lot of division among the brethren. And so soon you realize, what have I just walked into? How would you feel about that? I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what I feel. I feel like there's there's some unchrist-like conduct. All right, that, that that that's you know, that's there's some lies involved. There's you know, um, there's some gossip involved, and and you spend a year there or so, and you soon realize that certain individuals are just against you. All right, but here's here's the here's the crazy thing. Let and you decided, you know what, there's another congregation here um, that is looking and, and I would like to go there to restart. All right. And so all of a sudden, this, this, the few that are in your current congregation that hired you, uh, all of a sudden they'll come out and say they love you and they, they appreciate you and they want you to stay after years of, after a year or so of just, lies and lack of action and and a lot of misinformation you know how would you feel about that you know how how do you how do how how is it that there are people that that are in the church that find it okay to not keep their word Find it okay to mess with people's livelihood. Find it okay to, you know, to make uh, uh, your life as a preacher hard. And then later on, as you're about to leave for another work, they come out and tell you they love you and appreciate you and whatnot. 
that is just fake, isn't it? That is false brethren. And that's exactly the issue uh, in this scenario. There's so much gossip. There's so much lies. There's so much politics that that happen within the church. And so the question then is, when do we hold these people accountable to the word? Well, you know, in the Bible, Paul talked about how there were false brethren, right? And how he treated them, um, I think it, it's it's something we should consider, right? Um, if you go with me to Galatians, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. If you go there with me, all right? In Galatians chapter 2, um, maybe we'll start off with uh, Galatians 2 verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. So Paul is mentioning there was, you know, a private meeting. Or he shared his work with with those who are of good rapport. And then in, in verse 3, he says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Right? When he was with these brethren with, with great reputation, they didn't try to bind the law on Titus because Titus is a Greek. And, you know, there were these Judaizers or false teachers that try to, you know, overthrow the faith of some by binding the law of Moses. So in verse 4, Paul shared something. He says, and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So there are these false brethren some of them were Judaizing Christians. You know, they, and, and some of them are just Judaizers. But the point is, these were, you know, conniving and liars and, and, and people with negative agendas who have these agendas to push. But notice how Paul treated them, right? These type of individuals, you have to, make sure that they are not in a position of power, that they are not in a position of authority in the church because they will run the church down. Just like that scenario, right, that, that I talked about in a real-life scenario recently I witnessed. Two preachers ran out of one congregation by the same few, not by all the members, a lot of great members in this church, but there are few who like the preeminence and who like power. And this is now has happened. And part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because this is on my heart. This thing happened in, 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 in a congregation within our islands. 
And so, and so continuing on, Paul says in verse 5, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. In other words, Paul's saying we didn't give them any opportunity because, because these individuals are coming in to divide the church, to overthrow the faith of some. They have the spirit of Diotrephes who loves to be first and to have the preeminence. And so here it is, you know, verse 5, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Got to watch out for false brethren. There are many out there. There might be some within the congregation where you are. And the challenges to us is we need to have genuine relationships. We need to be truthful to one another. We need to have pure love for one another. Because if we don't have genuine relationships in the church, we will not have the the courage and the tack to to you know to to encourage or to edify even to rebuke one another we won't have that ability so so the challenge for us then is we need to seek to have genuine relationships and and to have genuine relationships it starts with our personal growth it starts with our continuous transformation in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, Paul gave a great uh, guide for Christian living. And one of the things he talked about there in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, he said, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Uh, let love be without a hypo- hypocrisy. That's that's the, the 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 mindset that we see in that scenario I share with you, right? How do you mistreat somebody, right? You you make their life hard. You you mess with their livelihood. You say all these bad things about them, and then right when they are about to leave, all of a sudden you say you love them, you appreciate them. That is so hypocritical. And that's what Paul is saying here in Romans 12 and verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Why did he have to say that? Because it happens. It happens. When we see one another, we'll smile. And as soon as your back is turned or, or their back is turned, we stab one another in the back. It's not pure love. It's fake. It's hypocrisy. And in the second part of the verse, Passes abhor what is evil. Right? Is it evil to lie? Is it evil to gossip? Is it evil to not keep your word? Is it evil in the scenario I gave you? Is it evil for a congregation to hire a preacher and then when he shows up, they change their word on him? 
they do not offer what what they have promised? Is it evil to make promises you cannot keep? Right? Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything that is more than that is of the devil. It's evil. And so in Romans 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, abhor what is evil. What does that mean? Abhor what is evil. It's to hate. It's to hate what is evil. And it's so sad because what we tend to see in the church, people are praising what is evil. Right? People are siding with the gossipers. People are siding with the backstabbers. People are manipulated by the kindness of these wolves. And the Bible says, of course, is to hate, to dislike what is evil, and then to cling to what is good. What would be good in that scenario I shared with you? I think it would be good for those individuals that ran out their preacher. I think it would be good for them to make a public, uh, 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 make it known in public that they are penitent at heart, that they acknowledge that what they've done is sinful, that they acknowledge that lying is sinful, that not keeping their word is sinful, that messing with someone else's livelihood is sinful. That would be the good thing. That would bring healing and accountability. But you know what churches often do when there's friendly fire? When there's, you know, people hurting people in the church? You know what we're good at? We're good at sweeping it under the rug. We're good at saying, oh, just let it go. It's nothing. That's what we're good at. And frankly, that's not biblical. It's not biblical to allow somebody to continue in this pattern of evil. There has to be accountability. One of the things that, that discourages my soul um, is when I think about, you know, some of the issues that come up uh, within the church are from people that claim to be mature brethren. And it's usually those who claim to be mature brethren that are causing these wars and these fights. And the casualty or or those who are collateral damage are the new converts. You know, it's sad if new converts are sharing with your preacher how poor your example is and discouraging it is for them what is your example in worship what is your example in worship do you cause attention to be drawn to you in worship do you publicly shake your head in disagreement of something that the preacher said or here here's a good one that i've witnessed do you shake your head while your preacher is trying to teach children the Bible? That's that's all friendly fire. That's the, the war in our warfare 
that I don't like to fight. But for the sake of the congregation, those individuals have to be held accountable. I hear too many stories where brethren demonstrate and just show the evil that we are capable of. That's the not so happy part of this warfare. I know it's the month of November. It's a great month. It's you know, positive vibe, it's Thanksgiving, but man, it would be hard to enjoy Thanksgiving. It, it would be hard to enjoy the holiday times and good times with family, with church family. It would be hard when there are those who are false brethren in those gatherings. Because all you can think about is the hurt. All you can think about is, you know, the bad things they have done of which they have not repented of. So how do we deal with it? There's accountability. Jesus gave the process. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. You go to them. If they will not hear you, take two or three witnesses. If they will not hear the two or three witnesses, you take to them, uh, you tell it to the church. If they will not hear the church, you let them be to you as a tax collector or as a traitor or as an outsider. The Bible also says you give warning. You warn them once, warn them twice. But if it continues, then you don't have to move on from them. All right. In first in first uh, Thessalonians five in verse fourteen, Paul says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. That's our model, especially when dealing with friendly fire. When dealing with friendly fire, first of all, you need to warn those. Right? If you're the one who's attacking another Christian, repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Seek the people's forgiveness. And then move forward. Right? Warn those who are unruly. Warn them. Um, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. That's a great guideline when it comes to ministry. So watch out for the friendly fire. Right? Usually Satan will manipulate uh, the situation that will cause division. As someone is divisive, the Bible says you need to mark that person and get away from that person. Right? You don't want to deal with those who do not obey the word of God. 
especially coming from those who claim to believe that is hypocrisy. In Second uh, Thessalonians, you know, um, Paul talked about how, you know, there are some who do not walk orderly, right? And he gives, he gives warning, right? He gives warning. He says in beginning in verse seven, Second Thessalonians three and verse seven, all right. Paul says, "For you yourself know how you ought to follow us." For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked and labor and toil, and not at, at toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we did not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Then in verse ten he says, "For even when we were with you." We commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. This is where the issue comes. When there's idleness, right? When we're not focused on doing the Lord's work, we tend to focus to attack the Lord's worker. And that's the issue. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort to our Lord Jesus Christ that they work with quietness and eat their own bread. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. So the idea here of correcting and holding one accountable. So, yeah, it's disappointing. It's sad to deal with friendly fire. But it happens. Sadly, it happens too many times. If you are currently dealing with a situation with a brother or sister, pray for that person. As much as it is in you, be at peace with them. And if you're on the other side, if you are the offender, you know that you have to go and reconcile that relationship. Don't be too big to say, I'm sorry. Don't be too prideful to own your mistakes. Because if we seek to be forgiven, the righteous will forgive us. If we are willing to forgive, our Father in heaven will also forgive us. God bless you and take care.